Hello, everybody. We'd like to take a moment to dedicate this episode and many more to come to Wesley Sullivan, one of our patrons. Wesley recently passed away, and even though he can no longer support us, we will continue to list him as he supported us for a long time, and he was a really good guy, and we're really going to miss him. So this one's for you, Wesley. Welcome to Eterna. Keep your dice rolling, your friends close, your monsters closer, and don't let the old gods bite. This podcast is an Eldritch Dream Games production. A dark fantasy Pathfinder game laced deep with cosmic horror. I would like to thank the patrons that make this possible. Brian Bridges, Brian Rafe, Donald Bewley, Eric S. Pat, Robin Mims, Tim Demuse, and Wesley Sullivan. Stay tuned after our tale to hear what these glorious people have in the works. But for now, let us listen. Last time on Dungeon Ball Z, uh, <laughs> there were some goblins given infinite melons in the in the pursuit of saving some small itsy bitsy humanoid creature. Uh, Tara is not dead, and Brock was going to go speak with her. And Daryl, uh, Daryl Shadow, well, she, she'd heard that some of her friends were in town, and she was going to go look for them, yes. Uh, and that's what happened last time. We shall begin with Shadow. So you were setting out with Farini, um, the elven priestess of Serenray. Yes. In search of a group of people who wear robes at least similarly described to yours in hopes that you will find some of your friends from back home. Mm -hmm. You set out across the central region of town to the Silvered Nut, a place that you know nothing about, but Farini explains to you on the way that it's actually one of the older uh, establishments in town. More of a tavern than an inn, but functioning as both. It kind of uh, like had a thing with nut pie, like kind of like, like, you know, there's pecan pie and walnut pie and shit like that. So uh, it kind of had a thing for that, but not so much these days, just due to it being basically cut off from its orchards. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, uh, now that they're now now that they can't make nut pies, they they have an excess of milk, so they just make cream pies all the time. Uh, <laughs> I am doing this expressly to torture Chris. Um, we'll stop and continue with the story. So you will soon thereafter arrive at the silvered nut. And a quick look around and, and inquiry uh, does indeed show that they are not there. Okay. Uh, so Farini uh, speaks to you. Uh, perhaps we should look around town. M maybe they're out and about. We can ask around as we go. Uh, yes, uh, they may have gone straight to uh, 
Do you have a, a religious district? Uh, we do. Yes. Uh, follow me. Uh, I'll take you that way. And she will lead you out. <clears throat> and uh, as you are passing through the um, the religious district, uh, make me a perception, both Brock and Shadow. A 24. Uh, 25. I think you would both uh, take notice of each other. Um, this uh, Brock is like, right as you were getting up and uh, turning to go speak with Tara, you would see both Farini and uh, Shadow walking, not like power walking, but walking with some level of uh, haste or urgency uh, into the area. <gasps> Mr. Leonhardt! Uh, hello. Are you going somewhere? I am looking. They said that the people have come into town and that they wear robes like mine and it might be some of my people. And so we are looking and have you seen such people? Have, have I seen such people, Sean? Uh, go ahead and give me a retroactive perception check. Those are always the best kind of perception check. They are. Uh, retroactively, I rolled a one, so 14. Uh, no, you haven't. You were busy getting your ass kicked at chess. No, I was doing so good. Until he cheated. Uh, no, I uh, I cannot say that I have seen anyone dressed such as yourself. Okay. Uh, if you could do a small favor, and if you see the people that are, have the robes like I wear, if you could tell them that we stay at this dish so that they could find them. Uh, I can certainly do that. Thank yes, you very much. Um, so at, at this point, due due to your shout of uh, uh, well, you shouting Brock's last name, um, Tara has taken notice of Brock's presence, though he doesn't recognize uh, you, Shadow. He she still approaches. Uh, Brock, hello, welcome back. It's good to see you're alive. Uh, hello again. Uh, it, it is the same to you. And for uh, for those listening who uh, are not familiar or do not remember Tara, um, she is a sort of a marble-skinned oread. She she has a uh, she doesn't have any crystalline hair or anything like that. She just has a smooth head and uh, is the caretaker you, of the important question. Shrine. Is she as short as Brock is? She is taller than Brock. By how much? Seven inches. Okay. Then Shadow would not mistake her for another dwarf, probably. She still thinks Brock's a dwarf. What? <laughs> you need to have her meet a dwarf real quick, Sean. So that she can come to the realization <laughs> I, I, that I, I am not a dwarf. I think she's seen other dwarves. She just <laughs> like, doesn't know what they are. <laughs> oh my god. Well, she hasn't stated this openly, so there's no. not much I can do about it. Um, so, uh, is Shadow uh, uh, going to pick up and go on, or is she going to stick yeah, around? Yeah, she, she's going to keep looking for her peeps. Okay. Well, I think uh, we will continue on with Shadow for now, and we'll pick up with Brock here in a little bit. And so, you carry on 
you carry on uh, looking throughout the temple district. Go ahead and make me a diplomacy check to gather information. A 24. Okay. So with your 24, you gather that they haven't yet been seen in this area, but a passerby mentions that they had seen them a bit further east in town. Then that is the direction I will go. So you head that way. And before too long, you would find yourself walking down the street, looking about, and you would spot a handful of people, eight to be exact, two of which bear the robes of members of the Silent Seven, and the other six of which bear the robes of devotees. Um, go ahead and make me a perception yeah, as I said, I'm sure she can recognize them from the back, you know, the ones that she's close to, at least. Uh, 22. All right, so you would be able to see all of these people and recognize them. You would see the two members of the Silent Seven that you see are Void and Freedom. Uh, these two men with pale hair, an elf with Snow White, the other a human-looking person. You know him to be a dampier. Yes. Uh, who has platinum hair both cascading beyond their shoulders. Both have skin tones of gray, uh, though they're tall, though the taller, younger looking one with the platinum hair, uh, which is void, uh, is many shades paler than the elven man, uh, which is freedom. They wear black robes with thick silver trim, each bearing a different pattern and are closely joined by six people who wear similar robes, though the trim is far more subtle, denoting uh, their position as devotees and you recognize these people too they are Dalkin valentine who is a human male uh, varian ithrun who is an elf male reynard revenmar who is a human male winda lincaster a half orc female zelar a hobgoblin male and diara running shadow a halfling sorcerer female yeah as soon as, as she recognizes uh the, the guys, she will break down into tears and she will scream nearly Void! Void kind of like stops and like looks around but doesn't see you in the crowd. Like, she, she, he's fixing to get his ass tackled because she's running for him. Make me a CMB. Let's just a flat CMB. A flat CMB. Let me find my CMB. I've never used it with this character. Oh. Okay. Uh, so I rolled a 19. I get plus 6, so a 25. You knock him to the ground. Surprised. Surprised. Uh. Oh, what the hell? Well, I... Not when I expected to see you. Nor exactly how. <sighs> Hello there, Shadow. What are you doing here? And 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 why did you not answer me? And and I miss you so much. <laughs> well, let's get up first. Let's start over. What were those questions? How did you fall down? You are so much bigger than me. Uh, you kind of just flew out of nowhere, hit me in the middle of the body as hard as you could. Uh, mm -hmm. Shall I go on? No, you, you, you had to, to practice staying on your feet. But what are you doing here? We're out here inspecting some of the dangers on the road. 
We've had a lot of calls out to this area in general. There's a small community here that, uh, in the area that seems to be at risk that we're seeking. Okay, but come, you had to come with me, okay? Uh, you go back to the end and then, then we talk to everybody. And hold on a minute. And she'll turn around and she'll hug Freedom's neck. <laughs> Freedom was already like, like moving to like put a hand on your shoulder and like, and like going for a hug. So it, it that's kind of like weirdly fluid transition. Is everything okay? How is your mama and how is Ada? And is everybody okay? And have you seen my brother? Uh, uh he, he, he would tell you, uh, everyone's fine as far as I know. Things are complicated, but everyone at the temple is all right. I had very, very much stuff that I need to say, tell you, and that you need to tell the others, okay? All right. But, uh, but right now, not in the street, okay? And All I right. miss you. I missed you too. And is <clears throat> and Void's like, oh sure, you miss you. You miss him, not me. Shut up! I tackle you first. Yeah, because that's so friendly. Hush. You 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 do not uh, you do not talk like that. You know better. He just smirks. Besides, who said you could leave the temple anyhow? They should know better than to let you out. They should know better than to let me out, huh? What about oh, you? Yes. Although I am an angel. And I'm the king of Sanguine. Oh, maybe. It's nice to know a king. No, come, let's go <laughs> and we have a drink and I tell you everything, okay? All right. Freedom. And they both nod and uh, the devotees behind, they all they all kind of like gather up and they, they greet you and whatnot. Yeah, she'll hug all their necks. She's been talking this whole time in sign, by the way. She's not speaking. Yeah, I, I, I imagine. So, uh, um, Farini's kind of standing there, like, hmm. Is I, I, I take it this is, uh, these are the people. Um, oh okay. yes, I am so sorry. I get so excited. Okay, so this is uh, the freedom and the void, and they are members of the Silent Seven. And these are some of our acolytes. They travel with us and they help uh, make safe passage on the roads and they carry refugees and such. And you could come with us if you like and have a drink and, and get to know everybody. All oh, freedom. Though tonight I have to go somewhere because I have to give a sermon. Oh, that's lovely. Well, we thought to do something similar at some point, but we were seeking information. Uh, there is information. I can tell you and, and show you the man who organizes the religious services, if you like. <clears throat> that would be lovely. The people probably like you better anyhow, because you are an elf. But I want to do this anyway, no, because it has been a long time since I got to teach. I think it would be good for you. And you couldn't read this sermon, and you can tell me tell me where I messed up, and I can fix it because you are better at this because you have done it a long time. <laughs> well, let's see. I think you're being too hard on yourself. Maybe I don't know. It does not matter. What matters is it's now that, 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 that you are here. See, and now I do not feel so loved. So this is good. 
This is good. Oh, let us uh, let us meet. Where where would you have us drink? Ah, we are staying at the Estate Dish. It is a very nice little inn. I have uh, traveling companions, and they are staying there as well. So they were not there when I left, but when they show up, I will introduce you. Yeah. Uh, like they're like when when you do when you do the name stacked dish, like I imagine like you like kind of like spell it out first, and mm-hmm. then like shorthand it to like like stacked plate or something like that. Yeah, with like a minor variation so that they know. Uh, and so they, they, they like repeat it back to you to make sure they do it right. Yes. Yes. It is not hard. Come. I will show you where it's at. Oh, where's the butterflies freedom? <clears throat> he chuckles. So they're not here right now. They're looking into something nearby. There's okay. uh, many things in these woods. Yes, there are the, the creatures and they are red and they eat the other creatures and they get bigger and they turn into monsters versions of them. And I fought one. He was a, uh, what do you call it? A patty gag? Uh, yes, I think we actually yes. saw such a corpus on the road. It was fun. Not, not the red one, but the original. I, I do not often get to use my abilities into fights, so it was a lot of fun. And it swallowed Mr. Morheim, and he had to fight from the inside. And then he was all gooey, and I had to make him not so sticky. <laughs> it sounds like you've made some new friends. Uh, they are the traveling companions because uh, they know the grandmama. And grandmama, she is more overprotective than even truth. And she says, you take care of her. And it's like, I do not need you to take care of me. And grandma goes, but you are dangerous. And I tell her, but I am dangerous. But she does not believe me. So now I have traveling companions. <laughs> this is better than being alone in these days. <clears throat> yes, they, they, are, they are good people, I think. That's uh, good. Mr. I'd Leonhard. like to be introduced to them. Yes, Mr. Leonhard, he is a follower of the Desna. Ah, it's good to... It's good to meet a follower of the light where we walk in the shadows. But they will they will come back eventually. Well, I would hope that we get to have a nice conversation with them. Oh, freedom. You will like the Mr. Goldthrush. He is a druid and he has a tree that walks around. Hmm. A tree singer, perhaps. I do not I've know. met a few in my travels. He is an elf, too. Hmm. I wonder if he's from... Uh, I wonder if he's one of the ones from Celestia. I do not know. I know he sits on the back of the wagon and tries to ho- hit Mr. Leonhard with the stick because this is training. <laughs> uh, sparring. One of the things I'm not so fond in remembrance of from the earlier days. You talk like you were a very old man. You are not. <laughs> uh, but compared to you, I am. But that is not to say that nothing, because the elves did they live a very, very long time. Mm. Even still, I have, I have a bit more age 
by comparison, aren't you? Well, yes, but they do not sound like you are old. You have to stay here for a very long time yet. At this point, Void kind of quips and he's like, just be happy. He's just happy his hair is white, so you can't tell when he starts to go gray. <laughs> it's just you like, are in the same and boat. you have the same benefit. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think like there's almost like a sort of like a hand sign for like jinx, uh, that, uh, um, freedom will do because you both basically say the same thing at the same time so I guess I should not say too much because if I do not have my hair dyed my hair is white as well <laughs> so we're all in the same boat yes and I think before too long you would all arrive at the stacked dish and it would appear that Gray Malkin has followed you. Yes, he does that a lot. He is a very noisy kitty. But we will get some drinks and sit at the table and catch up. I guess Vo- Void's walking and he like hisses at the hisses at Gray Malkin. <laughs> I wonder which of you have the bigger fangs. Uh. I should hope it would. Yeah, I should hope it would be me. You know, I'm kind of beggar. Yeah, you are a very big boy, and I like the things. It is a beautiful spot. Come, drinks. <clears throat> so you gather around, trading some tales of the road and whatnot in in manner of small talk, uh, and uh, drinks would arrive. Uh, she would be most curious about news for her, from about her brother anyhow. Um, <clears throat> freedom, freedom would tell you that uh, for for the first couple of weeks, um, most of us we were we stayed close to we stayed close to the temple, but then we started getting word from further away and much further away for for a time uh truth was guiding us through the plane of shadow to help us get places faster my assumption would be that if he's finished that uh that duty then he's most likely uh set out to a call of his own Serenity. Uh, perhaps. I, I honestly, I can't say for sure. We're being pulled thin. But he's a strong. He, uh, he's a strong fighter, and he has the he power of strong. Our Lady at his back. Do you know that some of the uh, devotees, the younger ones, they make jokes and they say that we should be called the Silent Nine now? Because true biceps should count as separate entities. <laughs> no, I hadn't heard that. Yes. Are you sure you didn't just make that up? I am sure. It is because of the girls. They all like to make googly eyes at him. 
mess, well, someday that something may come of that. But for now, I think he's preoccupied with other things. He's always preoccupied. Usually with annoying me. <laughs> I do not know what he's doing us. with his time now. Void, void butts in us. Annoying us. Yes, All of us. Yes. Well, he just wants the best from us and for us, and he cannot help it. He has always been the other and the protector, and so he, that is just how he is. That is... And this is freedom. That's quite fair. I understand his position on that as well. Of course... Time passes and people change. Yes, I uh, I have learned much about myself without him standing over my shoulder the past month. That's good. To, ref- to reflect in an empty space is perhaps the best way to. When I am at home, it is if uh, when I think on things, I always put uh, him first, you know? Uh, what would make him happy? But mm-hmm. uh, he is not here with me, and I have to think about uh, my own well-being and my own my own safety, uh, because there is not somebody there to do that for me. And so, in a way, at first it feels very, very selfish, but I am getting used to it. That's good. I'm glad to see you taking some more thoughts to yourself. I understand that your brother is very important to you, but both of you will eventually find paths that step away from each other, even if they are entwined otherwise. It has already begun, I think. As do I. I hope your travels have not proven too dangerous for you. Oh no, I have had great fun so far. I went to the shadow plane and I saw grandmama and uh, I did some fight some creatures there because the shadow plane has been uh, messed up just like this this plane. And uh, then I, grandmama has a friend who does portals to this world and she brought me through and I met the traveling companions I have now. And they have been nice people, and they have not been too mean to me or anything. I have to go find a, a K.O.L. man that knows about the dragons, because I need blood from a shadow dragon, an umbral dragon, something like that. That sounds dangerous, but when you entered the Shadow Plane, did you happen to interact with the Jirak at all? I do not think so. Oh, should you go back then? Uh, something we found on our journey is that they've apparently broken out into some sort of internalized conflict. They're more dangerous than they would normally otherwise be. Uh, their slaving uh, efforts have redoubled. This is not good? It's not. I went uh, straight to Grandmama because, uh, well, originally the black butterfly 
uh, when she gave me my mission, there were three other people that I was supposed to work with. But uh, one of them would not work with me because I was gay. And the other two would not work with me because they are afraid of the shadow plane. So they left me on my own. And so I went to Grandmama because she knows a ritual that uh, can help me make shadow traces so that even if people abandon me because of what I am, I do not have to fight on my own. At this point, like Void kind of like just spits and he's just like, such assholes. You'd think people would, uh, especially when they're appointed a group by a god, you'd think they'd, you know, suck their shit up. Some people do not, though. But it is okay because I am strong and I can do this. Still, is it not better to have help? It is, but as I say, Grandmama has found me new companions and they are very nice people. They do not call me ugly names or anything like that. That's good, at least. I won't have to kick their asses, then. Maybe. (laughs) You would not. You're right, I wouldn't kick them, I'd just fry them. (sighs) He's smirking. you You are getting as bad as truth. What? I say, uh... I can take care of myself. It's a... What do you call it? A dog-eat-dog world? I can take care of myself. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I have much new stuff I can do that I could not do before because the black butterfly, she gave me some precious gifts. And what? What's that? And it, it means I am more powerful, and I am able to do many things. And so, I do not need somebody to stand over my shoulder all the time. He just like I kind of puts his hands up, it's almost like a, oh, we got a badass over here. But like he he le- leans forward and and chuckles and takes a drink. I missed you. Missed you too. Yeah, say it like and you then, mean it. And then Freedom puts on like a like a fake, uh, fake offended expression. He's like, "Oh, I see you. You missed." I'm gonna start this again. <laughs> you are the worst. I, I think they both laugh. And meanwhile, like the devotees are like spread out and are. They're they're doing a bit of speaking with other people, uh, trying to gather whatever information they were looking for before. And I think we're going to uh, pop over to Brock right quick. Um, So Brock, B-Man, short stuff, Rock Dude. Um, So Tara had approached and, and greeted you. That she had, yes. Do you have any like instant initiation to the conversation, or are you gonna wait for her to say something? Yeah, he would kind of guide her over to the shrine where he was earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think if you didn't have any particular words for that, just kind of like walking, you'd be like, 
It's good to see you alive. How are you doing? Well, things have uh, certainly got more complicated since the last time I was here. Uh, How has the town managed since then? I wish I could say well. There are many things. We're safer than we were at the beginning, but at what cost? And there are many other disturbing signs of like she'll like glance over at the obelisk uh yeah he'll look at that too and he'll say what uh what caused this to happen i i can't say for sure but i'm sure it has something to do with what's gone on it happened shortly after the the new year very shortly matter of hours uh, he would nod and he would say, I, uh, I can hear the earth here. There is a sadness in it. Is, uh, is there some power linked to this shrine that was maybe affected by the breaking of this the ring? place was once in a way touching the plane of earth, but, and I think it still is, but the song is so quiet. And it almost cries. It, it's in pain, I think. The, the link, it's wounded. Have you sensed any changes with it other than just the it's sadness emanating? Grown weaker. It's uh, all I can truly tell. The song, though sad, was louder. And it's grown. Uh, not even noticeably day to day, but over time I can tell it's been growing quieter. I fear the link is falling apart, dying, maybe. I've tried to do what I can think to to repair the uh, the shrine, but I'm not I'm not sure that I have the capability or the material needed. Or it as simple as dumping earth or rocks into it. I would collect all the rocks and dirt in town and place it in there, but I, I fear it has no effect. Yeah, he'd uh, kind of run his hand along the crack and he would say, I, I do not think that simply repairing the, the stone itself would fix the link. As that is something... Uh, more powerful than just the stone itself. Uh, he would he would think for a moment, and he would say, "I think there may be something that uh, I can do." Now that I think about it, I'm not sure if it would work, though. What? Uh, she she looks very like um, earnest at at that it, that insistentness that question. She seemed very morose a moment ago but like she she's become very direct at your mention of this so i i have i have elemental mana Mm -hmm. could i attempt to expend that to try and repair the link between the shrine and the plane of earth 
Uh, yes, you could. Um, I'm going to have you give me a roll of a d20. Um, just a flat d20? Yeah, just like I, I'll, I'll, I have some stuff in my head. Just give me the d20. That's going to be bad. No, 14. That's not terrible. <clears throat> All right. And are you expending the actual mana or are you expending your universal? Yeah, I'll expend the actual Earth itself mana. So you uh, you summon up your elemental mana, and I think that this one, just for thematic speaking, takes a little bit. But like the earth, the stones around you begin to float slowly into the air, uh, very gently, and they arrange themselves, and they're all different tones and colors, and a swirling almost uh, mosaic of imagery uh, appears as you're doing this. And it's almost like you can see another place for that moment. A dark cave, green lighting, gemstones, and a large stone uh, cathedral that reaches up to the ceiling of this massive cavern. And you see several strange looking creatures vaguely reminiscent of like humanoid ish ants like or I guess centauric ants would be a little more apt uh, though they aren't formians which you would be mildly familiar with Brock um, these creatures seem to be gathered around working on something it's strange the way that this mosaic appears to you. It's almost like you're viewing the same space you're in, but it's in shelled around you. These creatures seem to be working at the spire, the, um, the obelisk, uh, with these staves, with glowing green light. And you take the mana and push it into the obelisk and the crack begins to seal itself and these creatures they begin to speak in Terran you can hear them whispered through the stone and they they speak of a power a healing to continue working to use this opportunity and they they begin to work more and more and faster. Their staves glow brighter. Uh, and uh, then all the little pebbles and such from the garden fall to the ground after there's a bright green flash of light. Uh, when you blink the, the brief light away, the obelisk stands as it once did before, unmarred, and once again, you can hear the song that it sang. And Tara is standing, uh, her, her jaw just fallen. She's obviously greatly surprised. And she's, she just seems speechless. She's, she's just like, uh, well, what, 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 what did you do? How did you do that? Uh, he would probably take a few kind of deep heavy breaths as I feel like that was probably kind of kind of an exhausting experience and he would look at her and he would say 
Well, that that is not a power that is normally my own. We encountered some creature when uh, when we went to the shadow plane, and it seemed to instill me with some kind of power that I've been holding on to. Something about the shrine seemed to resonate with it. So I I tried to use it, and that is what happened. Thank, thank you so much. This I don't know what would have happened to the shrine if it had died, but I thank you very much for this. It's it's something that was been important to me and my family for as long as I can remember and beyond. Uh, he would kind of keep his hand on it, on the obelisk, trying to you know, kind of keep a connection to it, and he would say, uh, "I could, I could hear the sadness, and I, I couldn't let the uh, the earth suffer in such a way." I, uh, I remembered the song from before. Yeah. What were those things that the the pebbles showed? Oh, you you could see that as well. Yes, it, it, it was strange. Um, and go ahead and make me a uh, dungeoneering check. Or actually, no, they would be pl- oh. planar. Oh, well, then uh, no, I don't have you that. You don't have a planes check, and, do you? Yeah, no, I don't. Okay. And dungeoneering was garbage anyway. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, then he so, would just simply say, I, I don't know. I've never seen something like that before, but... I could only imagine that that is that is the place that this shrine connects us to. Well, I it seemed like they were trying to do something, maybe repair the spire. Do you think there's another one on the other side, perhaps? Well, there did seem to be quite a large cathedral. Maybe it is connected to some kind of worship that they do or some sacred site. Or maybe there that is would a... make sense, I suppose. A similar structure on the other side. And you would feel at this point, like you've got your hand against the, um, against the thing. You would feel something almost like pushing against your palm. Like, like, feel something like physical, or is it just more like a force? Like physical. Uh, I would push back against it, I guess, to see if it responds. It kind of just keeps pushing. It's not constant. It like, it like pushes, and then like it lets off for a second, then it pushes again, and like it's struggling against your hand. If I remove my hand, is there like a physical? A uh, a slew of little stones falls out and coalesce on the ground at your feet. And then they begin to rearrange themselves. Oh. Um, I guess I'll watch as that happens. Does it take a specific shape? Um, it takes on a vaguely humanoid form. Uh, and you realize that this is essentially like a baby earth elemental 
how big is it? Is this like tiny? Uh, yeah, it's diminutive or oh, okay. Uh, um, and so it kind of like it kind of like stands up, and uh, and it kind of just like walks close to you. Uh, and, yeah, uh, he, would, he would kneel down like, and just kind of it like, like makes uppies at you, like it, it raises its hands and like grasps them. Oh yeah, he, he wants to. He'll, he'll pick it up, and uh, it will like climb, like as, as you pick it up, it'll like climb onto your shoulders. Uh, he will speak in Terran, and he will say, uh, "Can can you understand me?" It kind of like makes an affirmative grunt. Uh, he would look at Tara and ask, "Has anything like this ever occurred before?" I, my uncle said that once a few generations ago there were uh, elemental guardians to the shrine, but um, I'd never seen it myself. And like at that point. Uh, you start to see another large stone begin to well up on the surface of the uh, of the spire, and a much larger earth elemental uh, exits through uh, the obelisk. This one being actually sized large, and it is followed by a second. And they will speak. Say, we have come to protect the altar in Terran. Uh, yeah, Brock will look up at these large things, very up, and uh, he would say, and where exactly have you come from? Metal bow, which seems to have some meaning to them. Uh, you can guess from the context that it's not like a metal bow. It's it's like the name of a place. Okay. He would say, uh, is, is that the shrine that I witnessed on the other side that is the opal cathedral um and uh at that point taro would say then you're the guardians of the elemental lord and they nod and in what way do you intend to defend the shrine (laughs) they raise their giant hung to stone fists and slam them together Okay, so they're just gonna. That doesn't mean they're just gonna kill anybody that walks up near it. Just you. The Um, planes. They are being broken from this world. So then it is not just here that this is happening. They shake their heads. Uh, He kind of looks back at the obelisk and he says, How long do you think this connection will last? It will keep. We will protect it. Well, this this town is being besieged by monsters, so we will kill them. Well, it it may seem, or it may prove to be more difficult than that, as these are quite fearsome creatures. But uh, go ahead and make me a perception check. Uh. 24. You would sense uh, power from them that you would not normally attribute to 
because uh, like, I imagine, given where you're from, you've probably encountered a few elementals uh, in your time. You would feel power from these that is not normally exhibited by others of similar size. So these are deceptively powerful. Uh, yes. Okay. Like they, they hold themselves very tall and they seem very proud. Uh, they also don't seem quite as dumb as most earth elementals. They're not generally considered a very smart creature. Uh, they speak with relative fluentness. Uh, and they also, um, you see like veins of metal in them, which is also not usually, uh, present. Well then, uh, it will certainly help to know that you will be protecting both the shrine and combating the creatures that plague this town as, uh, both certainly need the help. He would, I don't know how one would greet an elemental something akin to whatever an elemental would do for a handshake he would attempt to do I just they understand waving and, and stuff like they, they they understand general like humanoid like they have humanoid forms for the most part they understand like humanoid ways of greeting fist bumping one is something that's gonna have to be real gentle on their part nah I can take it <laughs> I mean you could probably take one Maybe two. Oh, I need just one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now nah, he would, I guess, wave or shake his hand or something again to that. It's just like a, you know, happy, happy you're here kind of thing. Pleased, pleased to meet you. They, they, they have a lot of like their own personal things that they do are tend to be very um, rough and strong displays. Like they'll like, um, Kind of like you know the one kind of salute where it's like you put your hand on like you almost like beat your hand into your chest like that one time they do that sort of thing then yeah that would make sense he would do that and in, in response then uh this tiny one on my shoulder though is mm-hmm. it like it's still just a tiny little thing on my shoulder yeah it, it's itsy bitsy which most elementals are not that small like this is this is probably a like literally a baby elemental, like just kind of coalesced out of uh, some elemental energy. Then Brock would motion to it as it hasn't spoken, and he would say, "And this one is this meant to be a guardian as well?" They lean down and squint at it. Mm, no, not as a young one. Rare. Rare to see one so small, often formed deep in caverns alone. You are the one who fixed this, yes? And they motioned towards the obelisk. Um, Yes, that that was me. And you may be its father. Oh. So, should I bring it with me, or would it be safer with you should take it with you guide it make it strong well it's it's tiny enough to fit on my shoulder I'm gonna bring out my mole and put it on my shoulder Uh, when you try to bring out your mole 
you would notice that instead the uh, the elemental on your shoulder kind of shifts forms into one that's more mole-like. Uh, and it's very similar to your mole, but it seems much more uh, hearty, given it's stone instead of dirt complexion. Hmm. I would I would just kind of look at it. Be do I do I still sense the spirit of the the mole thing, or is it just has this now assumed that kind of role? You can still sort of like sense the spirit, but you feel that it goes into the into the elemental to assume a more powerful form. You feel like if you wanted to, you could separate them. Oh, okay, cool. But like, just as you were like trying to casually do it, basically, it just flowed into him as like a conduit. Okay. Well, then I will leave him there. I will look back up at the larger elemental. Would uh, would you mind if I stayed and meditated at the the shrine now that it is healed? They they both nod, uh, like, and they like kind of like go out near the edges of the of the garden and uh, kind of just stand tall there and they cross their arms and they stand really still almost statue like and like at this point some people have like gathered around because there was that bright flash of green light and like people are wondering what all the commotion is what's up with these big fuckers some of the people who are arriving late it's like what's up with these just giant statues that weren't here before you know but yeah you can meditate he would look at Tara and he would say, would you like to join me as I meditate? Yes, I'd be very happy to. And uh, she will join you. Now, uh, in, unless you have something else you'd no, like to do there. He'd just sit there and meditate for a little bit, maybe lift some rocks as part of his meditation using his geokinesis. Some some Zen uh, stone stacking. Yeah, he'd look he'd look like a little atom. Little pebbles <laughs> spinning around him. All right, and so with that, we will return to the the goblin boys. Hey, goblin boys! Oh hi! <laughs> oh hi! The 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 gobbo team. <laughs> gobbo team alpha. You have successfully granted the Melonhead Clan as many melons as their little goblin hearts could desire. And so, the queen of the Melonheads has has kept her end of the bargain uh, as she barks at one of the others to bring forth a tiny cage unto you, Leaf. In Uh, which... You see a tiny person. Not uh, just a person, but a halfling. A tiny a, halfling. One might describe it half. as a quarterling. <laughs> yes, one might, in fact, describe it as a quarterling. I would like both of you, now that you can clearly see, to make a knowledge local check. Local? Yes. Ooh, uh, 24. 18. 18. So both of you would be aware that, yes... This is indeed a quarterling. Um, so I picture Riley just like looming over Leaf, like hand on the shoulder, just like peeking up from behind him. And um, Riley says, uh, Leaf, did 
we just rescue a quarterling? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think the first thing that he's doing before even like saying anything is uh, he he's he's just kind of kind of look up from the cage as he's like undoing the latch in the top or whatever, and uh, says. Um, Remember, uh, the mel- the innards of the melon need to be shared with the townspeople. And uh, I thank you for your time, Queen. And uh, I, I, th- I think he's he's just... I mean, do- does the quarterling have clothes? The quarterling uh, does have clothes, though they are ragged to the point of uh, not much. Uh, the quarterling has a very high squeaky voice. Um, both of you with your checks would know that quarterlings speak halfling, uh, but due to their lack of generally being in communities, like, uh, like in larger cities where they would learn common and whatnot, they tend to just speak halfling. And, uh, Leaf, you would know that they actually, um, harbor their ancestry back to halflings where once upon a time there was a family of halflings that was cursed and all of their offspring and their offspring and so on and so forth were born tiny and that's how quarterlings were made um but yes she is she is very dirty smells bad has more or less recent very recently been slopped with melon juice and looks very afraid. I, I, I mean, does she look like an adult? Or is she still like kind of on the young side? I, I don't know. I mean, you don't know. I don't think you would know how quickly they age, but she looks adult. Okay. Uh, I, I think she's, pro- she's probably about like a foot and eight inches. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is really tiny. Um, then I I don't I don't know I, I kind of think that he he would just because I'm, I'm assuming she probably doesn't have shoes given like the super like raggedy condition of the clothes and stuff like that so he's just gonna like pop open the cage and pick her up and and kind of I I don't want to say like like cradle her or or whatever but he he's kind of getting like a level of sympathy that you would get from like seeing a child make me a diplomacy check. Uh, and take a minus four for not sharing a language. That's still a lot. So yeah. So it's 22, uh, 18 with the penalty or 19, including my treat. So uh, I think you're able to coax her enough to crawl into your arms instead of trying to run away while the cage is open. So uh, she will, she will uh, crawl up uh, into your, into your arm so that you can carry her. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I, I kind of think like his his expression breaks a little bit at that point, and he—he he just kind of—you—you can probably hear him say really low, just like, "I'm—I'm I'm so sorry," and he—he uh, he just kind of tries to get her into a comfortable position as they—he makes to start walking out. She looks at fearfully at every goblin as you pass, eventually exiting. Uh, where you reunite with Box, who seems to not have Grey Malkin with him. But that's not, you know, super weird. Grey Malkin runs off all the time. But, it, like, Box isn't, like, panicking as in, like, a goblin came and snatched Grey Malkin? No, he's just sitting there. Okay. 
He's like he's like got his butt set on top of like a little shanty house. So I was like, I, I, I swear to God, I'm like burning this whole alley down if I see a little goblin with a cattail hanging out of its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so yeah, um, I I think he's just gonna kind of turn to to Riley and say, uh, I I don't normally try and make deals like that, but that seemed like a really dangerous situation and uh, I, I kind of panicked. I just wanted to make sure that whoever this is was, was safe. She doesn't speak common, so I'm, I'm not sure. And he just kind of sighs. It's okay, Leaf. You did a fine job in there. I'm glad that the efforts in appeasing a goblin cult has paid off in saving someone's life. Um, I think it's most important to attempt to get her some semblance of comfort and uh, he just Riley just kind of glances at the quarterling and then back up at Leaf and uh, says um, and maybe figure out a way to bridge the language barrier uh, maybe and they she's obviously been identified as a quarterling and <laughs> given like how close the relation is to like halflings he's uh, do we know any any halflings in in town perhaps at the inn um you will traveled into town with a halfling just as a note yep that's true and riley points out as much <laughs> did, did i have a brain for liliana okay uh Halfling priestess of Kralize, or acolyte of Kralize. Son of a gun, you're right. Uh, then let's. Uh, th- that she she was back at the inn, right? Or is, is the yes. caravan staying elsewhere? Yes. Back okay. At the inn, then, back at the inn. That, then then yeah, we we should probably head back to the inn and uh, see if she might be able to serve as a a translator and mm, okay. perhaps get this one washed up and uh, more comfortable. Yes, I agree, Leaf. Um, I do think that yeah, I, this is within your capacity to handle. The matter of the alley is still pressing, and I would like to take a look at that to see if there's anything I can do. Um, assuming there's nothing particular that you need from me in doing this, I think you're fully capable of handling it yourself. Okay. But I will guide you back to the end just to make sure that nothing strange happens along the way, of course. Right, and uh, yeah, just guess we proceed on. So, guess what happens on your way back to the inn? Is it a random encounter? Wow, no, it's nothing strange. Oh, the, the rat man respawns and bites Riley again. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and then promptly explodes again. Should bite the quarterling so we can have a miniature were rats. <laughs> it's more like a were mouse. So, when y'all uh, when y'all get to the inn, uh, go ahead and make me perceptions. Also, Brock, uh, question: How long would you stay at the uh, thing meditating? Uh, maybe a good hour or so. Twenty-four. Riley had a fourteen. All right. So I think you would both notice. Uh, I'll start with what you both notice, and then go into what only Leaf notices. Um, when you go into the inn, 
Uh, when you go in the inn, uh, <clears throat> you would see Shadow uh, sitting at one of the larger tables. A group of people dressed in similar robes to her uh, all sitting around, a few of them laughing. Uh, she seems to not be talking with words, but they all seem to be making relatively rapid hand signs at each other. She's close to a uh, a man who looks fairly young, uh, probably about the same age as her. Uh, go ahead and both of you give me knowledge locals. 24. 17. Alright, so both of you would be able to differentiate this as not a human, rather, but a dampier, a uh, half-vampire, who she is uh, very close to and seems seems quite friendly with. Uh, Another being an elven man who does appear to be your elder leaf and who bears a few... uh, This would be something that you specifically, leaf, would notice. uh, Bears a few signs of druidry. Now, both of you would also notice that there are, besides these two men, there are six others wearing similar yet less ornate robes. And three of them are humans. One of them is an elf. One of them is a halfling. And one of them... Or, wait, no. Two of them are humans. One's an elf. One's a half-orc. One's a hobgoblin. And one's a halfling. The half-orc and the halfling are female. Interesting uh, set of demographics. Indeed. (laughs) Um, Leaf, you would specifically notice that the halfling, uh, her eyes are a bit odd. Her irises are black, flecked with small points of light. Um, And the half-orc woman's eyes, uh, she has uh, what's called heterochromia, where her eyes are different colors. One of them is, she has one kind of like green and blue eye and one like hazel eye. I said gold brown, I think, but... Hazel, I think, is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her orcish features are offset by narrow elven-like ones. She is both attractive and powerful looking, with an unplaceable allure. Uh, and for further clarity, um, one of the humans is Dayborn, uh, much like you or Riley are. Um, which just means, like, y'all have uh, physical features that denote you know, a life in the sun. Uh, you don't have dark vision, things like that. The other human has is nightborn. You can tell his with his grayish skin and the reflectiveness in his eyes. He's got night vision or dark vision. Um, the elf is nightborn. Uh, the half orc woman is nightborn, and the halfling woman is nightborn. But the hobgoblin is dayborn. Hmm. And the Hobgoblin Man, uh, while people at a distance from him seem to be kind of like looking at him with like a a bit of distrust, the people close to him, he seems to have already, they've already taken to him. He's he's a bit loud. He's telling jokes and and sharing drink. Uh, He seems very friendly. But there's a lot going on. But mostly uh, Shadow is having, is is speaking with these people. Farini, the... Or actually, neither of you met Farini. So there's also an elven woman uh, with uh, with uh, Saren Renian uh, robes sat with them as well. Uh, I think he's probably a bit more pressed with the condition of the quarterling. And so um, okay. 
just gonna make a beeline for Liliana. Okay, Lilia. go ahead. Uh, she's not in this main room, but you know where her room would be. Uh, so you head upstairs. Um, Shadow, go ahead and make me a perception. A 13. Okay, so I think you would notice, uh, Leaf and Riley enter, though not much in the way of detail. You see Leaf immediately make for the stairs. Uh, Riley, what are you doing? So, uh, Riley takes, uh, just like a moment to notice that Shadow seems to be in good company. Um, and then is probably not too surprised that Leaf uh, really focuses on the task at hand and immediately rushes off. So um, he'll pause in the doorway of the inn and um, watch Shadow's table for a second to see if she notices him. And assuming she does, he just kind of uh, raises a hand, smiles, nods, gives a uh, like a short, courteous bow, and then um, departs. <laughs> Okay. Well, that was the strangest thing I ever seen. The man did not say a word. <laughs> uh, I, I assume at this point you've told them about uh, a bit about him, and so yeah. uh, Freedom and Void both laugh. Uh, and I think uh, I would, I'd say probably at this part of Aryan uh, is probably sitting with a lot of you too, um, and so he probably laughs, and he's translating to. Uh, Farini, and she has sort of like this delayed chuckle. Uh, so, Riley, you head off, I'm assuming, to the alleyway? Yes, it's time to head to the alleyway, the place that I was planning to go a long time ago. <laughs> I think, what, three episodes ago at this point? Four, um, maybe 15. I don't, I'm not keeping track. <laughs> Why do we have a wagon full of wood? Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so you go to the alleyway and it's bloody hmm. great yeah um, like uh, Riley's just gonna like move through the alleyway and he's just like probably gonna remember the encounter with the aware rat however brief it was and um, like go to the center of the alley and he's not mystically inclined yeah he's picked up a little bit of knowledge of it but he doesn't have magic like at all so he just like stands in the middle of the alley and like takes a deep breath, uh, closes his eyes and just, I don't know, exists there quietly for a second to, um, I don't know, feel, to think, I guess. Roll me um, a D100, good sir. <laughs> D100, all right. Uh, <laughs> 99. You're sitting there just taking in the moment. When you hear a loud and your front side is just covered in blood and viscera. Uh, Riley takes a deep breath and kind of sighs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he'll, he'll stand up and, uh, and like at this point, technically you still didn't see anything. Uh, he, he just kind of brushes himself off. He assumed that he needs to like clean off based on like rummaging around the goblin, um, trash heap yeah this is this is this is just you know this is like organic soap yeah sure <laughs> so 
in uh, in the time he's going to spend in this alley, I think he's going to um, consider what happened with the goblins, how much time he spent on that, considering everything that's really happened so far. And um, he'll uh, hone in on um, what kind of what Leaf was able to do with the, uh, the, the melons and imbuing them with a regrowing power. And what I would like to see and you can stop me if my train of thought is off or doesn't connect in any real way because I'm not sure if there's a feasible way I can pull this off but what I'm thinking is if there isn't a way even though Riley can't necessarily like sense exactly what is going on or why it's going on if there's a way in which he can use a uh, pool of mana or even might mana to uh, puncture or sever this repetition of whatever's happening here. Um, assuming maybe it has something to do with uh, recursion or time stuff. <laughs> so go ahead and just make me an intelligence check. Sure. That's fair. That's a 14. So like I, f- I feel like while you don't necessarily think you can break the cycle, you know, that might be... It might be attached to a, a different kind of mana, you know, yes. something that has to do with cycles. Um, you feel like there might be something you could do, not not as a perfect fix, but as a way to make it become a non-issue. As to, uh, through some feat of inhuman strength, perhaps, uh, place something that would prevent like because because one would assume that like it requires space for this to happen so if you put something in the way could it not happen then so you think that if you can find something heavy or dense enough or even just rip something out of the ground perhaps and place it in the spot of origination you might be able to do something with that all right in that case, he's going to size up the alley once again, just to kind of figure out where the uh, the where rat was standing when he exploded. And uh, assuming he can get an actual uh, location. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in the alley? Um, I mean, there's a couple of barrels, but that you kind of feel like that would be better you know than nothing. You know what? You know what he's going to do? He is going to see if he can't track down Brock to uh, maybe move some earth around. Um, <laughs> so make me a diplomacy check with a minus five for being covered in blood. <laughs> sure. Um, and smelling like rotten fruit. Yeah, that, that's probably fair. That's a 20. Okay. So you're able to keep people from, uh, you're like, you're able to quickly explain, hey, I'm not a mass murderer. Hey, uh, I'm looking for this guy. Have you seen him? Um, (laughs) It's just ketchup. It's just rotten ketchup. Okay. (laughs) I'm not a killer. I'm just poor and can't afford different clothing. (laughs) I just put on a terrible play and people threw a lot of tomatoes. Tomatoes. So I think uh, I think you'll be able to before too long track down 
Brock at the Shrine of Earth, and you would find uh, two very large Earth elementals standing, like, at first, at a distance, they probably seem like statues, but when you get closer, you would be able to tell that they can, they move a little. So, uh, two very large Earth elementals, and then Brock and uh, Tara, whom you've never met before, uh, sitting, uh, meditating. Like, Brock, I feel like, is kind of, like, he, he's got all these rocks floating around him, and I feel like maybe even he's floating a little bit, like, just off the ground. Okay. Uh, so, first of all, when Riley gains the information that Brock was last seen at the uh, Temple of the Earth, is what you said? Uh, the Shrine of Earth. Yes. Shrine of Earth. It, a little bit of a face palm. Like, of course, Brock is located <laughs> at the Temple of Earth. Why didn't he just look there first? Um, but yeah, he will... Uh, because you have to do the Water Temple first. Oh, my God. <laughs> that takes forever, because you always get lost. <laughs> Um, Riley will approach and then realize that they're meditating and uh, if the uh, the elementals whether or not he knows their elementals is debatable if the uh, earth big rocky boys big rocky boys are moving he'll just kind of like not interrupt Brock but like look at them and start like trying to engage them in conversation like how long has he been at this do you know when he's going to um, should I just walk over and tap him on the shoulder like it looks at you and it like makes these kind of rough almost like grunty words at you like they sound kind of like rocks being smashed together uh, and they're grumbly and rumble almost like an earthquake uh, but you can't understand them um I'm sorry I don't speak Brock can you okay <laughs> nod for yes shake for no can I interrupt this they just it continue it can't understand you any better than you understand it so it just talks more sure. at you it's, it's trying to explain to you that it can't understand what you're saying do i, do you know what? Do I hear this conversation happening yeah right yeah riley you, definitely you riley's voice. This so that in hopes that brock catches on like oh i didn't realize i was interrupting you <laughs> the, the elemental's just like i'm sorry human i don't know what you're saying <laughs> Yeah, Brock will Brock will stop and uh he'll stand up and he'll walk over and start greeting Riley like, "Hey," like cuz you know, he recognizes the voice and then he sees him and he's like, "Are are you okay?" "Hi Brock. I know that it looks like I've been through some stuff today, but uh truth be told, uh none of it was that bad." Um do you have a moment to help me with that alley issue? Oh, um, yes. And then he'll kind of look around and he'll say, what what happened to Leaf? And he'll look at the blood. Riley <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> chuckles a little bit and he says, oh, Leaf and I rescued a quarterling from Melonheads. Do you have local? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, you're just gonna get like a blank stare of like none of those words make sense to me. <laughs> oh, obviously, quarterlings are a joke. What the fuck is a melon head? <laughs> he's just he's just gonna kind of just stare at you like what is Riley on drugs? Yes. Okay, yes. Brock. I will 
I will explain everything on the way. I don't mean to take you away from your company or from your thoughts, but if you can. Uh, he would kind of turn around to Tara and he would say, uh, perhaps I will return later, but it seems that my friend requires assistance. That's fine. Thank you again so much for what you've done. Oh, it, it is absolutely no trouble. If, if you need anything, please let me know. I'll do anything I can to help. Uh, he would just kind of nod and look up at the elementals and give them, you know, kind of like, you know, bye. He would, he would grumble back at them. Grumble, 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 grumble. Oh, yeah, grumble, grumble, grumble. And then, then he will follow Riley to the, the alleyway. Okay, so conversations along the alleyway. First of all, out of game question, do you actually have like a small elemental following you now? It's on my shoulder. Okay. It's a tiny elemental. Okay, so that's the first topic of conversation because Riley's going to inquire about that. Um, the second topic of conversation is going to be who is Brock's new lady friend. Then he's going to get into the whole melon head thing. And then just as we arrive in the alley, he's going to actually double check to see if Brock can actually help with the situation in blocking up the space in which <laughs> um, <laughs> the blood splatter origin is coming from. Does Brock <laughs> want to expend three universal mana to make a giant rock spike? Uh, no, I'm could, I'm pretty sure I could I find rocks somewhere else. Yeah, uh. I feel like that would be easier. Yeah, you, you can you can find other rocks. It's not going to be perfect if it's not solid, but it like that pile of rocks is going to eventually ooze out blood, but it's still probably better than it exploding. Maybe if you mortar it, it'll, it'll not. You see, I do it myself, but no one moves rocks quite as well as you, Brock. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad somebody has finally found a use for my abilities <laughs> well to be fair there's also some windows they need shattering that we're gonna get to next it's a joke it's a joke <laughs> <laughs> every time a window breaks riley loses a year of life <laughs> oh that's fine he can't live forever anyways oh, well then let me go start smashing windows real quick <laughs> uh but as as we're going along, uh, Brock would explain to you that the thing on his shoulder is apparently his child. <laughs> Does this uh, Riley just like <laughs> stares, and then his eyes go wide, and then he chuckles, and then he says, "Brock." Does this have anything to do with your new lady friend? I had no idea. And he puts a hand on Brock's other shoulder and says, "Congratulations." What's his name? <laughs> well, uh, I I haven't really gotten that far yet. It it's oh. only been about an hour. <laughs> oh, I see. So, um, well, she didn't have any ideas for names. Normally, you plan for these sorts of things. They don't just happen. I think. Well, uh, no, I, I can't say that she, she had anything to offer, and well, this, this did kind of just happen. Okay. 
Uh, okay, Brock, I'm going to be honest. I think you need to have the talk about the rocks and the bees with me. How did this happen? Um, well, the shrine that you found me at uh, yes. last time we visited here, mm. I, uh, I had stopped by and met Tara, who is the keeper of the shrine. I see. And upon our return this time, the shrine had been damaged by what I assume is the the breaking of the ring that has caused well everything else to go wrong. And I sensed that the shrine's power was was fading and that the uh, the earth was was in pain. So the power that we had obtained in the other other plane from those flying creatures. I uh, I poured that power into the shrine and uh, it reconnected it with the plane of earth and then he'll just kind of motion to the elemental as if somehow that explained it uh, okay so you had a child with the plane of earth and not the woman I saw you meditating with I, I suppose that would be the most accurate description yes this is incredibly strange but I, I suppose the most important question I have to ask is Brock my friend are you happy <laughs> um. <laughs> well I uh, as I said I reconnected this plane to the plane of earth and uh, possibly aided the town with adding some guardians to it so yes I suppose I'm happy Really, kind of like shrugs a little bit and smiles and says, well, good, good. These all sound like good things. Um, are you sure it's safe for a rock child to travel with you, with us? Well, I asked the other elementals if it would be better for it to stay here as, well, I don't know how to raise an elemental. And I thought that the others might, but... They seem to think that it would be best that it come with me. All right. Can't okay. say that I know any better, so that's fair. And also I can do this and he would do the thing where he puts his mole into it and it kind of turns into a mole. Was, I, I can do that. It wiggles <laughs> its nose little frond things. <laughs> that's fascinating. Um, you, you, you remember Torin, right? The, my friend? Yes, 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 I do. That is, that is him and also not him. Fascinating. You know, I, I have to say that traveling to this side of the world and meeting you people has been absolutely enlightening. I am learning so much about elves and shadow people and rocks that I just never would have understood in my old life. Need to add knowledge ge geology. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> well, uh, I am glad to have helped broaden your horizons, as they say. Yes. Well, anyways, that uh, Tara, you said, right? Yes. She's uh, not too bad looking, isn't she? And Riley just kind of nudges him in the arm. Um, I, I suppose not. She has a very, uh, man, I don't, what would you, 
How would one describe an Oread woman made of marble? She has a very uh, fair complexion, I guess. Riley <laughs> 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 cocks an eyebrow, a little confused. And he says, <laughs> Sure, yes, right. You should, um, while we're in town, because Lord knows, uh, gods know only how long we'll be here, invite her out for a uh, drink, you know, with us or just with yourself and your little uh, elemental child, you know. Uh, yes, I suppose I could, uh, could invite her to come along with us. Brock you know has to update his Tinder profile to has kids. <laughs> um, better yet. Uh, uh, Sean, how far away are we from the uh, temple? How much walking did we do so far? Probably five, ten minutes. No, oh, never mind. <laughs> if we were only like two minutes away, Riley was going to run back. But, um, but like, it, it it depends. Are y'all already walking back to the inn, or are y'all... We're heading to the alley to solve that problem. All this is happening between the oh. temple and the alley. Yeah, I think probably like five minutes, because I think that's about how long y'all have been talking. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. If not a little bit more. <laughs> Super legit. Um, yes, Brock, absolutely. Once we're done with the uh, solving the alley thing, you should definitely make your way back here and invite her out for dinner or to drink or both tonight with us. Shadow has some friends at the end. We can co-mingle. It could be a party. Yeah. Well, I, I'm always one ooh, to... Uh, ooh, Brock. You yes. can invite the elementals as well and they can hang out with Box. I think that would be great for Box. Would... Would they be able to communicate? Probably not. <laughs> I'm sure they all could grunt at each other in various degrees and more or less understand what's being relayed. Fucking rude. <laughs> well, I would not call what the elementals do grunting, but I'm sure me and Leaf could translate. Yes. Speaking of... Since uh, you asked, Leaf is currently tending to a quarterling that was captured by a tribe of goblins that were melons on their heads. We had found them trying to buy melons from the local markets. They, the market was refusing them service, so Leaf took it upon himself to teach them agriculture. And by teach them agriculture, I mean he gave them magical melons that will just continuously to re continuously regrow upon their own volition. And in exchange, he got a quarterling that he's currently making sure she's okay. In exchange? As in payment? Yes, yes. Once we were at their little dump of a uh, home, we found several creatures caged, and one of which was a quarterling. And upon realizing that, Leaf negotiated with the Queen of the Melonheads for the release of the Quarterling in exchange for magically regrowing melons. Rude. Oh, so you have freed this creature then? Uh, yes, yes. The Quarterling has been freed and Leaf is taking care of her. Well, that is wonderful news. Great. I'm so happy you took all of that at face value. <laughs> uh, and I think right about now is when you would arrive to the alleyway. Great. So Make perceptions, the... both of you. All right. Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> 25. I don't like how quickly you said that. Oh, natural 20 for a 33. 
Wow. Okay, so both of you, uh, I will start with what both of you see. Once again, trying trying to do this to make things easier. Both of you see a figure uh, silhouetted against the other side of the alley. Of course, Brock, you have dark vision, so you make out a little bit more. What you both see is this figure. He's like hunched over the spot where all the blood is. He stands, turns, turns to his left and looks over his shoulder and then kind of just vanishes like a mist uh, almost and then just dissipates. Um, That's what you see, Riley. Brock, you picked up a little bit more. You picked up a lot more detail. This man was very finely dressed. Uh, While you, you know, in dark vision, you don't pick up color, you are able to tell that his clothes are mostly, if not all, black or nearly black. Uh, Very finely made. He had two swords of different styles on his hip. He uh, wore a wide-brimmed hat and had very pale skin. Uh, wisps of almost shadow, like you could tell like magical darkness kind of like wisped off of his body at certain points. And when he turned, he had like these slightly glowing red irises with slit pupils and a very, very attractive man. Uh, And dangling from his neck was an amulet in which a five-pointed star was being crushed in a fist. Go ahead and make me a knowledge religion check. Uh, 17. While you don't recognize the symbol holistically, you do realize that the five-pointed star which was being crushed uh, is the symbol of Asmodeus. And that's where we're going to leave it. Hi there. My name's Don. I'm a proud patron of this podcast you just listened to. I'd like to take a moment to talk about some of the projects that I work on. When I'm not listening to Tracy, Sean, and the rest of the gang tell wonderful stories using the Pathfinder rules, I like to make podcasts of my own. I'm the GM in the Starfinder homebrew adventure Hexgrid Heroes. On the other side of the GM screen, I play Cory in Pokemon Seicho and Peleus in Ashes and Allomancy. I also like to sit around and talk with my friends about how horror movies can be used in a haunted house setting, and for that, check out Fountain of Fear. All of these podcasts can be found at hexgridheroes.com. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to this episode. I'm Brian. I run Action Forge, a tabletop RPG YouTube channel where we dive into all sorts of topics. If you want to learn more, head over there and check it out. Also, if you want updates on all my various projects and some awesome tabletop RPG memes, go ahead and check me out over at Twitter where I'm at ActionForge. G'day, this is Dick Horney, inviting you to explore the world of Dustress, a unique homebrew setting within an Elder's Dream Games universe. Come along as the Hive Queen leads a gambler. Cowboy motherfucker with six shooter. I ain't never moved cattle in my life. I am a gambler. A Native American. He, he doesn't have a lifetime of eating processed food, so he probably is actually quite regular. And a Detroit teenager. Okay, so we're rolling into elves, aliens, and troll dolls. Through discovery of new magical abilities, struggle with the reality of unknown gods, and maybe learn a little bit about themselves along the way. 
Visit Eldritch Dream and Dustrous Podcast on Twitter for details. They took to the stars and became stars. So it says here you're from another galaxy? Yeah, Milky Way. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to saying that. A band that influenced entire galaxies. Sector 8, let's make some... Until their inevitable downfall. Fuck you, and fuck you too, Switzerland. Thanks for having my fucking back. Now, 20 years later, they find themselves unpleasantly reunited. James, what are you doing here? We're an entire motherfucking galaxy and you show up on this place. In a place where things are not what they expected. One of our staff members just happened to go missing this morning and uh, I kind of had Travis? I understand. Why the uh, fuck do you have a guitar? (laughs) (laughs) LCP D&D presents Odyssey, a musical actual play adventure set in space using the Savage World system. Listen in by searching for LCP D&D on your favorite podcast platform or find us at lcpdnd.com. Welcome, Forsaken Travelers. Do you like sci-fi fantasy atmosphere? Do you like bad, scary movies, cult classics, and more? The Crow, Beetlejuice, Frankenstein? What about dad jokes? We have those, too. Tune in to the podcast for the untimely dead every other Sunday on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you there. If you would like to become a patron, check us out on patreon.com forward slash Eldritch Dream. Also, if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. You can also find us in the Hive, that's our Discord, link in the description below. You can also find a link to our merch on sonerdware.com. And find us on Twitter, at Eldritch Dream, at Eterna P, and at Dustress Podcast. And until next time, everybody... May the Elder Gods haunt your dreams.